Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from HarperCollins, presenting The Angel of Rome by Jess Walter, a stunning collection of tender and brilliant stories about the moments when life changes you, for the better or the worse. I met the Angel of Rome on a cool autumn evening in the year of my reinvention, 1993. I was what you might call a work in progress then, a shy, sheltered 21-year-old in Europe for the first time with a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to study Latin at the Vatican. That's Eduardo Ballerini reading from The Angel of Rome, the latest story collection by best-selling author Jess Walter. A starred Kirkus review says that you should prepare for delight, and you should. The Angel of Rome by National Book Award finalist Jess Walter. Available now wherever books or audiobooks are sold. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. If you listened to Monday's episode, you got to hear not only about some of Rome's most spectacular fountains, but also you got to hear some excerpts from Ottorino Respighi's beautiful The Fountains of Rome tone poem. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. And I thought I would take the excuse to talk a little bit more about Rome's fountains today, and particularly the fountains that you might not know of. Everyone knows about the Trevi Fountain, uh, the Fountain of Four Rivers in Piazza Navona, and the Fontanone up on Gianicolo Hill. But there are several smaller fountains in the city that are really noteworthy and worth the time to seek out if you're in the area. Now, obviously, if you know me, you know I'm not going to be able to avoid talking about my personal favorite fountain in Rome, and a lot of people's actually, the Turtle Fountain in Piazza Mattei. If you've read my book, you know that it is based around this fountain. It was inspired by the legend behind this fountain, which I won't go into today. But suffice to say that in this very small square hidden in the area just outside the Jewish ghetto in Rome, you will find the Turtle Fountain by Giacomo della Porta, built in 1588. And I mean, it's just adorable. It's small, but not tiny, like some of the fountains that I'll be talking about in a minute. Uh, It has an upper and a lower basin. It has four young bronze youths who are riding on very tiny dolphins and reaching up and pushing turtles into the upper basin. And it's, I mean, it's hard not to love it when you see it because it's just so delicate and so elegant and so whimsical and just the perfect size for the area that it sits in. So I would seek it out simply for its beauty and its elegance. And there's a little cafe in that square where you can sit and have a cup of coffee or a snack. And it really does make for a lovely, more relaxing 
moment during your travels to Rome, which can be, of course, very frenetic if you're doing a lot of sightseeing. Another small fountain that a lot of people miss is the Fountain of the Bees, which is on Via Veneto. It's at the very base of Via Veneto, so basically right across the street from Piazza Barberini. So if you've been to Piazza Barberini, of course, you've seen the Fountain of the Triton. We talk about this in Monday's episode. It's one of the four fountains that Respighi was inspired by to write his tone poem. Um, But just ever so slightly up the street at the very beginning of Via Veneto is the Fountain of the Bees. Now, this was originally designed by John Lorenzo Bernini. Bernini was the most important artist of Pope Urban VIII. Pope Urban VIII's family symbol was the bee, the Barberini family. And so he had commissioned a fountain decorated with bees for the same area. Piazza Barberini, of course, the Pope's, the sort of center of power of that Pope, named after, of course, his family name. And it's a lovely fountain with a large shell and three little bees that shoot water out of little spouts. Um, unfortunately, it's n- most of it is not original because it had to be moved. It was originally in a different place. Uh, they have uh, what are called in Rome traveling fountains. So many fountains in the city were moved because the street that they originally were on got completely demolished. They would have the foresight to not destroy the fountain, but to move it. But sometimes the fountains got so damaged in the move that they had to be almost completely redone. And that was the case, unfortunately, with the Fountain of the Bees. So most of it actually dates to the early 20th century, although the design is Bernini's. Now, a fountain that Katie actually hates <laughs> is the fountain of the Mascherone, the big mask fountain. This can be found on Via Giulia, at the corner of Via del Mascherone, of course, named after the fountain. And basically what it is, is the face of a bearded man, a long-haired bearded man, which Katie and her husband Derek think looks a little bit like an ugly Jesus. I can get behind that, but I love it nevertheless. I think it's very striking. These faces, these it's an ancient Roman face that was basically used as a drain cover, oftentimes in ancient Rome, there would be decorative drain covers, which would have some kind of a face or a mouth that the water would come out of at the end of the drain. That's what the mouth of truth is, a very enormous one. But so is this. So you can find it incorporated into a fountain that was made out of, the basin of which was made out of an ancient sarcophagus. Now, in this small square of Piazza di San Simeone, also generally called Piazzetta di San Simeone because it's so small, there is a very simple fountain. There's really nothing particular about it, and I can't tell you when it was built or who designed it because it's just one of those simple fountains that consists of nothing more than a lower basin and then an upper basin that spills over into the lower one. It's not that this fountain is particularly lovely. It's the whole insieme, as they would say in Italian, the whole togetherness of the area, this very small square that is located along Via dei Coronari. There are no churches in the square. There's just a couple of shops and a couple of restaurants and this lovely little fountain. It's so small. It's so quaint. Sometimes there's one or two artists selling their art there, but it's never full of people, just a couple of people wandering through. It's really one of the most quaint and characteristic corners of the city. 
Now, in Piazza Farnese, which of course is a very large piazza, a very famous piazza, there are two fountains that you may have seen, you may have noticed, they're not the kind of fountains that go unnoticed, like so many of the other smaller ones, because they're quite large, but they are interesting enough that I wanted to mention them here. They are made, they're on either side of the square, they're enormous bathtubs, absolutely oversized bathtubs, and they come from the baths of Caracalla. Now, whether they were actually used as true bathtubs that people would have bathed in, um, you could probably fit about 10 or 15 people at a time in them, that's how big they are, or whether they were just used for decoration, I don't know, but they're really just absolutely spectacular. And they've been added to, of course, when they were turned into fountains by the Farnese family, they had the family symbol, the fleur-de-lis added. They're really beautiful and very worth a visit down. If you're in Campo di Fiori, which is just one square over, take the time to walk down to Piazza Farnese and see these amazing fountains. Now, there's another fountain that's not particularly visually exciting, but its history is. This is the Fountain of the Senate, so-called because it happens to be right behind the Senate building, or Palazzo Madama, and it's located specifically on Via dei Staderari, and it is a just very, very wide, large, round, elevated basin, which every time I pass it with my husband, I don't know why, like I insist on telling him. And every time we pass, he's like, I know you've told me a thousand times. This fountain, which doesn't look particularly noteworthy, came from the Baths of Nero. Now the Baths of Nero predate the Baths of Caracalla by at least 200 years, which I think is pretty impressive. Uh, so these date to probably around 27 AD. Next we have, and to finish up, a collection of fountains by an artist named Pietro Lombardi. These are relatively recent compared to most of the uh, most of the fountains in the city, um, and they were all built around the same time in the late 1920s. Pietro Lombardi actually won a citywide competition to design fountains to represent some of the different neighborhoods of Rome. So they all have symbols in them. I happen to love symbols, so I think these are fun. It might be a fun sort of treasure hunt, see if you can find all of these fountains. They're very spread out though, so don't try to do this in sort of one afternoon. You might need to do just one or two a day and see if you can find them all. Uh, but there are nine in existence. There were a couple more that were sadly destroyed. And the most famous one, the first one, the one that won him the competition, is the Fountain of the Amphore, which is in Piazza Testaccio in the Testaccio neighborhood. And it is basically a stack of these ancient oil receptacles, amphore, which, um, which were basically used for the importation of oil. Um, the Testaccio neighborhood was near the ancient port of Rome. And so a lot of these broken receptacles, once they were emptied out, and after they had been imported to the city, were basically thrown into a heap. And this heap, over centuries, eventually was sort of covered over with dirt and eventually grass, and it becomes the Monte di Testaccio, the area of Rome where 
<laughs> strangely enough, uh, all of the nightclubs are now on top. But there are a few restaurants as well that have excavated underneath and you can actually see if you go down to the underground level of the restaurant, you can see through windows these piles of broken shards of amphorae. So the fountain recalls that. Then another one of the uh, more famous of these fountains is the Fountain of the Arts, which is located on Via Margutta. It's really lovely. Via Margutta is a street in Rome where historically all of the most important art galleries were located. When I mean art, when I say art galleries, I don't mean museums as, as much as the particular personal galleries of specific artists. And there's still are personal galleries there that um, some artists may, are able to maintain. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the, the street is slowly being taken over by high-end boutiques because the rent is just so high that so many art galleries just can't afford to be located there anymore. But there still are some. And the Fountain of the Arts depicts easels, buckets of paintbrushes, compasses, and theater masks. The next one is the Fontana della Botte, the Fountain of the Barrel, which is located on Via della Cisterna in Trastevere. It's an off street off of Via San Francesco Arriba, the street where, coincidentally, both Katie and I used to live. And this fountain is basically made up of a barrel, a wine barrel, and there are there is water flowing into two carafes. So this represents Trastevere, of course, Trastevere being famous for its osteria and wine bars even a hundred years ago. Next, we have the Fountain of the Books. This is probably my favorite of Lombardi's fountains. It's located on Via dei Statedari, and it is the fountain of the Santo Stacchio neighborhood. So it has the stag head, which is the symbol of Santo Stacchio, and there is also piles of gigantic books. These, of course, represent the University La Sapienza University that is basically next door, the original location of La Sapienza. Next, we have the fountain of the timone or the rudder. So the kind of rudder or helm you would find on a ship. It's located on Via Porto di Ripa Grande, which is basically the other side of the river from Testaccio, the Trastevere side. I used to pass this fountain every single day when I went to my bus stop to get to work when I still lived in Trastevere. And this is again a nod to the port that was located there, the original port of Rome, where, um, where all of the ships bringing uh, imported goods to Rome would have stopped. Next, we have the Fontana della Pigna, the fountain of the pinecone in the Pigna neighborhood. It's specifically located in Piazza Venezia, but there's so much going on in Piazza Venezia that it's very easy to miss. But it's a very small fountain to be in such a large square. It's located off near the very beginning of the tram, the eight tram, the very first stop of the eight tram. And it depicts, of course, a pinecone. And the reason for this pine cone is because that neighborhood, the Pina neighborhood, which is called the Pina neighborhood for the same reason, is because there was an enormous ancient bronze pine cone discovered in that neighborhood, which was part of the Temple of Isis. And uh, this pine cone now is inside of the Vatican in the courtyard of the pine cone. Uh, it's massive. It's absolutely, you have to see it to believe it. But its name 
was given to the neighborhood where it was first discovered. And therefore, we have a much, much smaller fountain that depicts a pine cone shape in Piazza Venezia. There's also the fountain of the papal tiaras. Now, when you think of a tiara, you know, you're probably thinking of a beauty queen. Um, papal tiaras were very, very different. They were very, very tall, three-level uh, hats, more or less, with jewels and all sorts of things. And the popes used to wear these until around the time of Paul VI, when, uh, when eventually it went out of fashion. Um, but this is located right outside St. Peter's Square. If you're looking at the basilica and you're inside the square, you walk through the colonnade to your right and just before walking under the arches of the passetto you will see the fountain of the tiaras and it also has several keys hanging off of it the keys as well are symbols of the pope as are of course the papal tiaras Next, we have the Fountain of the Cannonballs. This is located not that far from the Fountain of the Tiaras. Basically, you, you walk down Borgo Pio all the way to the end, almost to Castel Sant'Angelo, and you'll see this huge pile of, they're not actual cannonballs, they're marble cannonballs and a face that's shooting water. And this is representative of Castel Sant'Angelo and the fact that, you know, even today, if you go to Castel Sant'Angelo up on the ramparts, you can see piles of actual cannons because this was one of the main uh, fortresses and defenses of the city for centuries. Last but not least, the one that I've actually never seen myself is the Fountain of the Mountains, the Fontana dei Monti, which is located in the Monti neighborhood and has three little hills that represent the three hills of Monti, the Esquiline Hill, the Celian Hill, and the Viminal Hill. And it's located on Via San Vito. So if that doesn't make you want to go fountain hunting, I'm not sure what will. There are lots of little fontanelle, small fountains, also called nasoni in Rome. They basically look like bronze fire hydrants. They're about the same size as a fire hydrant, and they have a little spout sticking out of them, and they can be found all over the city. There are probably hundreds of them in the city, and those fountains do have fresh water running from them, so you can be sure that you're going to get clean and healthy water there. It's actually also cold in the summer, and most people think it's tasty. I don't think it's bad for being a fire hydrant water, basically. So you can fill up your water bottle with that or just plug the spigot and water will shoot out the top so you can take a sip directly from it. I hope you've enjoyed this bittersweet moment. Join us again. Bye. The Bittersweet Life is produced and edited by me, Katie Sewell. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. If Rome is in your travel plans, be sure to arrange a historical tour with Tiffany. To set it up, send us a note through the Contact Us page at thebittersweetlife.net. Also, you could sponsor this show and reach thousands of engaged thinkers and travel lovers all over the world. Send us a note at thebittersweetlife.net to get the conversation started. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory, web help from Drew Atkins. And this show continues when listeners support it. Tell a friend to subscribe, write us a review, and like you would with any other art you appreciate, tip your podcaster. Don't steal the tea. Find ways to toss a donation in the hat at thebittersweetlife.net. Thank you.
And thanks for spending the summer in Rome with us.